everybody. Welcome to the PC Perspective Podcast. This is episode 308, being recorded on July 9th, 2014. I'm Ryan Shrout. I'm Jeremy Hellstrom. I'm Josh Walrath. I'm, I'm Mark Titleman. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Alan Malentano. Sure we're not meant for five people. Yeah, we're not We're not used to having five people, so the order of things, usually it's either Alan or Maury. I, I already right. showed Alan as well, so... That's true. I mean, yeah, yeah Come back to him. Uh, so, welcome to the show, everybody. Uh, it's... Uh, it's been another week, I guess. Uh, if you want to watch us record the show live, quick reminder, we do that at pcper.com slash live at about 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. And uh, if you want to be notified when we go live, you can go to this nice little webpage here called pcper.com slash subscribe. And uh, you sign up with your name and email address here. Real easy. And we send you an email, usually like an hour to half hour before uh, we actually start the live stream. So uh, if you're interested in signing up for that, we would love for you to do so. Yeah, that's about that. Um, so next week will be an interesting week. We'll be at QuakeCon. Um, we, of course, are hosting the PC Perspective Hardware Workshop on Saturday, July 19th uh, at noon local time. So that's central, right? Yeah. Texas is central. That sounds right. Central is Texas, yeah. Yep. So uh, you can see here we've got uh, – if you go to pcpro.com slash workshop, you can see our fancy new logo for the uh, hardware workshop there. Sponsors this year, thanks to Seasonic, NVIDIA, and Logitech on that. And our list of prizes has been growing. If you have not seen it recently, you need to go uh, – Check it out. We've got AMD, BitPhoenix, Corsair, EVGA, Fractal Design, Galaxy, G-Scale, NWIN, Logitech, Kingston, MSI, NVIDIA, OCZ, Rocat, Seasonic, Silverstone, Western Digital, XFX, Zotac, and at least a couple of more that I just don't have confirmation on what those particular products are yet. So uh, if you're in the Dallas area, if you're coming to QuakeCon, you want to be sure you are here, uh, or there, rather, on Saturday, July 19th. Uh, we will be live streaming it. If Everything goes as planned uh, at pcper.com slash live, and it'll be embedded at pcper.com slash workshop as well. And we are definitely going to have a podcast recording on Wednesday night at uh, QuakeCon. So Wednesday at 9 p.m. local time. Is that right, Maury? Wait, you're you're, you're one hour behind Eastern time, yes. right? Yeah. Yes. 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 You're the, yes. you're, the, you're the Texas, the only Texas guy now. Yes. I'm trying to, so trying to bring PM, you in the conversation. 9 p.m. Quake time. Quake con time. Quake con time. <laughs> That's right. That it's is Quake an official time. time zone. It's in the Windows thing here. Uh, we will be uh, at the Emerald Room, uh, which is directly across from the main stage. That, that uh, isn't the strip club. No, it's mm. the Emerald. That's the Emerald Club. We'll be there afterwards. The Emerald Room is where we start. Um, and we'll probably have a couple of prizes to give away as well. And I think last time we did Q&A and yep. uh, we drank beer and stuff like that. So Someone brought beer. Yeah. yeah. Tell you, yeah, they did. Uh, so, so we'll be there That's again nice. on Wednesday. We'll record at the same normal time. So it'll just be 9 p.m. local time in, in Dallas uh, in the Emerald Room. And we'll try to have that all set up. Uh, yeah, with, for with uh, Pipe Ranch. Yeah. Hopefully I'll actually be there this time. <laughs> you, you showed up. We, we were watching I showed the up right at the end. Up. Yeah, we did watch the video again today to kind of make sure how we had everything formatted. We actually had two cameras last time. I forgot about that. Oh, yeah. One camera to show. We keeping you awake? <laughs> <laughs> I'm still jet lagged. Man, oh. no, you're not jet lagged. Well, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's the workshop. Also, if you are, if you want to come to QuakeCon 
And you don't have a BYOC spot yet. We actually have two BYOC spots that were given to us by uh, my buddies at PC Part Picker to give away. So if you go to the homepage at PCPro.com, there's a news, pay, news post about win a BYOC seat at QuakeCon 2014. And it's really simple. Like all you have to do is, is send us your name and email. But you, I implore you, you must be able to attend QuakeCon. Yeah. between July 17th and July 20th and actually make use of the BYOC spot that we're going to give you. Otherwise, there's no point in you winning it and it's just a waste for everybody. So only can, enter can if we you apply? can actually be there. What's that? Can, can, can we apply? Uh, you're going to be working so you don't have time to play games. So no? You can, you can enter, I guess. <laughs> oh, man. Right? Uh, you can still bring your own computer if you want to look yeah. it around, but... Yeah, we uh, will draw the winner on Friday, so we only got a, like a day or so to enter this. If we want to make sure you have time to n- know if you're going to be at uh, QuakeCon or not, so uh, sign up for that. If you can, we would appreciate it more. Did you have any last-minute updates on the status of QuakeCon 2014 for us? Yes, I do. I have quite a few. Uh, first one, big one, food trucks will be back. They're kind of doing a weird thing with the schedule this year, though. During the day... Till 8 p.m., the hotel will be doing burgers and pizza. From 8 till sometime in the morning, sometime between 2 a.m. and 8 a.m., the food trucks will be there. So it's going to be a late-night food truck service. They have not announced what food trucks are there, but there will be food trucks there. And they're not going to be out by the BYOC. They're going to be by the Chantilly room or something. So I don't I don't know what they're going to do there, but um, they'll, you'll, you'll be able to find them. Um, there is going to be a magic... Uh, the, uh, the the magic card game people are going to be doing oh, uh, a, preview, a, a preview of their new set. They're going to be having a competition Friday night from seven to eleven. It's a twenty five dollar entry fee, and you get five decks, including a special card of the new deck sets. Um, you can pre register for that if you want. If you don't, um, you don't have to. They're going to have a blood drive there, and in my opinion, not the smartest thing, but if you do the blood drive, you get something called the chill pack for some new Bethesda game coming out. Um, I don't recall what the so game is. To get really drunk and give blood? And the blood will be sterile. No yeah, diseases. I don't, I don't, it doesn't make much sense because I mean, it sounds like it's a good Well, because the person who receives the blood somebody. will be twice as happy. Hey, look, all of the people there are virgins anyway, so it's not like they're picking up any STDs that they can pass on. Wow, you're a virgin, you have kids? Josh. Well, they're adopted. So it's uh, technically oh, yeah. true. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that one is true, yeah. No, I know, yeah. I, I do the same thing. My parents <laughs> never had to have sex either, so because me and my brother adopted. There you go. See? It's a world you. full okay. of... Because there's a long line of versions. A couple more, a couple more. Okay. Real quick. Um, there is uh, a Lyft. Uh, there's something called Lyft that is going to be a QuakeCon sponsor or, or yep. some kind of exhibitor. They are giving a free uh, $25 credit. Basically... They um they will take you anywhere you want, and you pay you know you use your credit you pay them and they'll take you there and back and you just have to it's, uh, there's some app or something on the um I guess it's iPhone Android all that crap. Uh, let's see what else. Um, there is oh Master Pancake is going to be there. I think I said this last week uh, nine to twelve. They're going to be doing Labyrinth. It will be a hoot. That that's awesome. Yeah. Um, they also have their schedule app live through Guidebook. You can get that on uh, iPhone and Android. Yep. Um, and the schedule is out. It has the PC perspective out. hardware workshop on it, so that's what yep. counts. Mm-hmm. They will matters. also be giving away copies of ESO. Something ESO. That's right. Yeah, three thousand copies of that, and it will be having a. Um, oh, and also they will be showing uh, the keynote is very important. If you're there to go to the keynote this year. 
I think it's at 6 p.m. because they will, that is the only place we'll be showing Doom 4. That is it. Uh, I'm going to go with probably that will be screwed up at some point. Yeah. Probably. Aren't they, they going to make it playable or something? Didn't I hear that? Uh, there was rumors about a beta, but that's not. Oh, one more thing too, and this is confirmed because uh, last time, last week it was not sort of not quite confirmed. Half Life Three, right? If you, if you have a QDQ spot, if you have a QuakeCon done quick, and you get there on Wednesday night, they will let you in. They will let you set up a computer, and you can start gaming that night. You get an because of QDQ, you get an early gaming spot. You don't have to wait till Thursday morning. You can start gaming and start up on everything. What about everybody Wednesday else? Night. But not everybody, not everyone. That is just QDQ. If you're just a BYOC, you can't do that. You can basically get in line Wednesday, drop your shit off, and go. But if you have well, QDQ, do whatever. That's good. It'll, it'll spread the line out a little bit at least. In other words, those people wouldn't be waiting. How many QDQs were there? Uh, uh, somewhere between two fifty and five hundred. Yeah, see, not a lot. you've always been able to set up on Wednesday night. You just no, no, stay. no, really? No, you couldn't. No, no you all couldn't. you could do is you could drop your shit off, take your carts, and that's it. You I, couldn't set up I, or anything. If well, they caught you set up, okay. they'd smack you. But, but you're dropping all your stuff there. You just can't plug in your mouse and keyboard and network cable. Well, no, you can't. You can't even unbox if you like. Um, if you have, basically, you can put your monitor and stuff on a table, and that's it. Yeah, the boxes. And, uh, that's, yeah, I mean, you cannot. If it takes you very long to set up your computer after that, you don't belong in a Lampard. Yeah. No, it's gonna t- Ryan. It's gonna take me about fifteen minutes to set up my computer. Fifteen You'll minutes. See. That's fine. It's gonna be a beast. It involves I, I, plumbing. I've been seriously working on my computer for the past like five or six days every night. It's I know. It's insane. I know. I've been fabricating parts and all sorts of whack. <laughs> I, I built ours in three hours today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all, right. all right. Let's get in and talk about uh, hardware and things that happened. Uh, Scott posted a story. Uh, yesterday, no, earlier in the week, uh, about the kind of dove into a little bit about the the comments that Intel made publicly confirming that they had showed and expressed interest in AMD's Mantle API. Um, they confirmed it in a PC World story um, that, that they labeled it as an experiment, the Intel spokesperson said, and Andy's response was, give us a month or two and we'll go into the 1.0 phase sometime this year, um, which which basically confirms kind of what we had uh, or what we learned with our discussion with Richard Huddy a few weeks ago that, you know, we're in a beta, they were in a beta stage and that they uh, did not want to open it up to everybody quite yet. But when it was open to everybody, that anybody would be able to enter, right? Intel being one of those anybodies. Um, so the, the the interesting discussion that Scott has in the story is kind of why would Intel want access to Mantle? What would they find interesting in Mantle um, to take advantage of? And it's kind of an interesting debate, right? Because most of the benefits for Mantle games come in situations where you are processor limited and Intel's processors are faster than AMD's processors, so you're less likely to be processor limited with Intel parts than you would be with AMD parts. Mm-hmm. Um, but you are still getting some advantages. Yep. Right. And Intel has integrated graphics, so anytime you can improve performance in that and improve efficient efficiency in that, they are obviously interested in doing it. Um, I'm curious, like when that request for the Mantle API access was actually made versus how DirectX 12 comes into play with all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we have no idea on a time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, if you look through the story, like Scott talks about, you know, we're even talking, if we get into like the Bay Trail part of things, right, will that improve performance mm-hmm. in games 
with Bay Trail? Will they able, you know, if if AMD decides to make Mantle available in Linux, will they be able to do that? Take it down to Android level, right? Yeah. That's obviously a distant, distant idea. I mean, in a roundabout way, it might lead to reduced battery life. No, in fact, it improved would be battery. quite improved. the opposite. Or, sorry, reduced battery use. Consumption. Use. Consumption. Right. Because that. the processor doesn't have to do as much work to yeah. get the nice, pretty images yeah. onto your screen. Yep, less overhead, so. Yeah. It's an interesting idea. Um, you know, it, I think it will be the very, very end of this year before AMD actually opens up the Mantle API, um, which again cuts down on the lead that it would have over DirectX. Will other developers kind of slow down on Mantle development? Will companies like Intel or even NVIDIA have any more interest in that API at all? Right? You know, NVIDIA is obviously the far out. You know, the the one who's probably never ever ever going to adopt Mantle. I feel like everything slowed down as soon as they said there was going to be another DirectX. Yeah, definitely. And, and I, honestly, I don't even think Intel would would do it. Right, I think yeah. you know what you know what a positive thing if mantle What's because that? it is curated by a single person, well, single company. Mm-hmm. They can add advancements very, very quickly as compared to what DirectX or right. OpenGL can do. But that's not really beneficial to Intel, right? Because the advancements well, they could that because would make if, if would AMD be is saying, "Hey, we're going to go here and we're going to do this," Intel will probably you know after six or seven months you know or or a next you know product generation they'll be able to add those in those features and support it which is still a lot faster than what we see with again DirectX and OpenGL yeah i just intel has never been one to really show us that they are capable of adopting new you mean APIs. they have a not invented here attitude <laughs> they, well, that that too, right? Like, if they didn't come up with it, they're not going to use it. Or except like you know x eighty six sixty four. Right, but they just waited until they could just dominate the whole market, and then nobody even thinks that it's a, that it was an AMD invention, right? It's just well, now it's sixty four bit. Uh, yeah, they're more borgish than Care Bear. They're not going to adopt it. They're going to assimilate it, if anything. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And you know, it, it's it's interesting. Intel's not inter- Intel has never been really keen on like when DirectX 10 came out, making sure that was adopted, DirectX 11, because those types of um, API changes were really looking at image quality enhancements, Mm -hmm. things that make things look better, where Intel was, you know, that's useful for AMD and NVIDIA's discrete GPUs, but for integrated graphics, you're not really worried about that, right? No. You're trying to get as much performance as you can out of, nice, uh, out of uh, DirectX 10 or 9 or whatever it is, right? And, uh, you know, I'm sorry, I've got to stop this podcast. My battery is running low. Yes. <laughs> I didn't get much sleep last night. I'm not no, it's okay. Sleep. It's okay. We, we understand. Um, it's, uh, but th- this instance with Mantle, you would think, uh, you know, here's an instance where apparently our battery is very it's low. It's going fast. 3% <laughs> in a minute? Just, Come on. That's unfortunate. <laughs> wow. Uh, Quick, plug it in. <laughs> quick, hurry. It's the magic hand. Hurry. Everyone talk really, really quick. Oh, there we go. There you go. Much better. But with Mantle, like you say, well, now that the benefit is not necessarily new image quality features or advancements. It's efficiency and battery life. Yeah. Potentially, which is something that Intel is actually interested in. Yeah, they are interested in that, definitely. So, and certainly they would like uh, their driver team, all two of them, <laughs> ouch, ouch. to... Uh, to get as much uh, time under their belt with something that is similar to DirectX 12 and 
perhaps move that knowledge forward. Right. That would be my other thought. Is they're just trying to get a head start on what they can learn with uh, with yeah. The I mean, it'd be it'd be silly for them to not think that they would at least want to dabble. Right. Yeah. I mean, but their intel, obviously, they can ask for something well, yeah, like but, that. But yeah, but their intel, so they may not want to because that's an AMD thing. No, yeah. So you want to admit it's the same reason why I don't think Nvidia would do it because they don't really want to admit that. Mantle but it's was not the, it's a not good s- idea that they should have maybe done. It's not so much that it's AMD; mm-hmm. it's a graphics thing. Yeah, but it's an AMD thing. Uh, yeah, right. It is. You can look AMD. at it either way, though, right? It's GameWorks like, is an Nvidia you know, thing. I'm sure they're not but. asking about it because of you know their awesome CPUs. AMD's awesome CPUs. No, they're well, you know, and like, hey, is kind of changing thing. as a company. I mean, they're opening up their fabs. Yeah. to other guys to go and start using as a foundry. Um, That's true. They're more than willing to license out stuff from other people than we have seen previously. Uh, I think that they are slowly moving to a more flexible position instead of just you know a, a very solid, hey, this wasn't invented here. We're not going to deal with it. I mean, they've had a lot of experiences in the past. I mean, look at Epic. They're 64-bit. I mean, it failed miserably. They spent billions of dollars on that. AMD comes out with something that was, you know, an extension of x86, and it made a lot of sense. It did, like, quadrupled the amount of registered. It did all kinds of things that they really needed to get to where 64-bit needed to be, and did it in a pretty logical and, and effective way. And so I think, you know, a lot of the top guys that uh, have been in Intel and have been kind of top. dictating their culture, they're all gone. And uh, they got new folks in, and I hope so. They, they realized they got their butts kicked in mobile. That was an area that they could have dominated because Apple came to them first, and they said, "No, we can't. Uh, we can't. You know, make make these chips at that price. Uh, we just don't think that you had the volume." Well, guess what? The volume was not only there; it was well past what they expected. And I think that a lot of these hard lessons that they've learned, I think, maybe, hopefully. They are a little bit more open to uh, some outside technology to make their company stronger. I hope so. Um, re- check out that editorial from Scott if you want to, to see more information on there. And there's actually a good kind of like thread going in the comments of it as well. Uh, up next is Maury's review of an XSPC Raystorm D5 Photon RX 480 V3 water cooling kit. Wow. So I'm not even really sure what is the company that manufactures this product, Maury. Gigabyte. Oh, it's a gigabyte product. Okay. No, it's not. No, the company is actually called XSPC. Okay. Uh, they're, they've been in a water cooling business for a couple of years. I mean, quite a few years, actually. Uh, they're known, they're really known for uh, making some pretty innovative designs that are very affordable. And I've said this like before that. in other reviews. Um, I mean, their, their stuff isn't the priciest. I mean, this kit is pretty pricey, but it's, this is their top of the line kit. Comes with their Raystorm block which is very well known uh, for its performance. It comes with the Photon Reservoir, which is a 170-millimeter reservoir with an inline D5 pump at the bottom. Um, it comes with a 4x120, which is a 480-millimeter uh, radiator, which is a big radiator, and it's, it's extra thick. The radiator itself, the thickness of the radiator is about, I think it's about 45 mil. Um, 45 millimeters, which is almost double of a 25, uh, 25 millimeter fan. Okay. Um, and it, of course, comes with two fans with it and tubing and all that stuff. Um, it's it's a nice kit, and and it comes with LEDs because you can put LEDs on the both block and in the 
uh, reservoir. The reservoir also has an acrylic glow stick in the middle that awesome. basically you put the LED in the bottom and and it kind if you want to um, you, you, sorry you, yes um, if you put you put the uh, you put the LED in the bottom and, and the middle uh, the middle glow stick glows whatever color comes with white by default but you can put whatever color in there red blue green whatever LED um, and I think it's a five millimeter LED it uses the uh, CPU block uses three millimeter LEDs um, it's it's a really nice kit. Uh, the when we were testing it, we started doing something with these uh, with these DIY kits where uh, we test it not only with the CPU block, but we test it with an inline uh, GPU block as well. We have an ASUS Poseidon GTX six or seven eighty that we use for testing, um, just because uh, the that adds about three hundred watts of heat to the block, and that's where a lot of these kits with the bigger uh, radiators really stand out. Okay. Um, yep. In testing, you know, just running the CPU block really didn't see much difference between this kit and the and the other XSPC kit that only had the 280 mil, uh, millimeter radiator, which is two 120 millimeter fans. Where we saw the big differences were when you added the inline uh, graphics card. Um, basically, running with uh, with a uh, 480 millimeter radiator, there was absolutely there was no change in temperature on the CPU between um, between with and without the video card. With every other block, you would see the the processor temperature jump up, um, and that's because basically the radiator can dissipate quite a bit of heat. Uh, so that's really with this kind of kit where you see. The changes. Um, the the other thing the the other thing that um, it, a hypothesis I put out in this review was that I think we were hitting the thermal uh, limits of the racer block. How much heat it could actually dissipate? Because again, um, theoretically, if there was more expansion room in in the thermals for that racer block, you should see a difference even without the GPU in temperature. The with a bigger radiator, you should see lower right. temps on the on the CPU block, whether it's running with the uh, uh, video card or without, but basically the the CPU block running a CPU block alone, the temperatures between uh, the 240 millimeter uh, ra- uh, radiator with the racer block and the 480 millimeter uh, w- uh, with the racer block were identical both in stock and overclock. Stock we'd expect that because you know stock speeds the temperatures don't change between anything, but even overclock speeds, temperatures were very close. So, I mean, that really indicates that you're reaching the thermal limits of that block itself. So, so I mean, what, what, I mean where, where do you kind of fall on this, right? What's, a, what's it cost, and is this a product that you really think, don't, don't really purchase this if you're only going to cool a processor, you want to have a multi-component loop with a product like this? I mean, with a 480-millimeter yeah. radiator, I guess that makes sense. But is that, is that kind of where you're, where you're at with it? Yeah, yeah. You don't want to purchase this. I mean, if you're only cooling your processor, you do not want to purchase this. You don't want to, and and if you're only if you're dabbling in water cooling, but you're not really wanting to deal with, you know, if if you're not a um, a diehard big grade enthusiast or diehard enthusiast, you don't want to do this kit. Uh, I mean, the people who want the and the kit itself is about uh, three hundred fifteen dollars. But when you add the the cost of the parts together, you're actually it's actually cheaper than it would be if you bought them individually. I mean, the uh, sure. the radiator itself is probably about somewhere between seventy five and one hundred twenty five. The block is about sixty to seventy five. The pump and reservoir combo is 
probably about 100 to 125. And then you have the tubing and the um, uh, and compression and fittings as well. Yeah. Um, it doesn't come with coolant. That's one of the weak- weaknesses of the uh, Raystorm kit. But a lot of the kit, a lot of the DIY, DIY kits don't come with coolant. Some of them do, but a lot of them don't. Do you use Kool-Aid um, or something? I use. I actually use coolant I, for this test. I've used. I use coolants. So I kind of gave up on making my own coolant because I was seeing some oddities with it, and also uh, the the um, the mix I was using is not acrylic safe. So I didn't want to damage that center core. So I ended up using coolants, which is acrylic safe. Um, you can also run regular distilled as long as you have all copper. You know, um, the problem with running distilled is if you have mixed metals, if you have copper and aluminum, you will corrode. Uh, you will corrode both. Basically, you'll see pit. You'll see pitting in the co- in the aluminum, and um, and you'll see. Uh, build up on a copper. Sounds like science. Um, and uh, yeah, a lot of people say, "Oh, that doesn't happen. You, know, you have to be touching. It doesn't have to be touching." The basically the liquid. And Alan, you could you could back me up on this if you want, or you know, chime in on this because I know you know a lot about this stuff too. What about galvanic um, corrosion? But yeah, yeah, galvanic corrosion. But yep, yeah, uh, basically what happens is the the um, w- one of them acts as a cathode, one of them acts as an anode, and the water is a conductor. So even if you have tubing in between them, you still have conduction there, and it was still. You know, you still get pitting. Um, where that uh, becomes a real big problem is if uh, usually you'll see it on the G- on the uh, CPU blocks and on the GPU blocks in the microchannels because microchannels will get gunked up with the aluminum bits that are gotcha. basically being eaten off. Um, but yeah, no, this is a really nice kit. I mean, I gave it a gold award because I really liked it. Um, I mean, it just like it, a- it's just you know that just the the weird thing was the oddity with the with the block. But again, you know. Overclocking at overclocking at forty seven seventy k, you know at at four point seven uh, gigahertz, you're gonna see high eighties to you know high eighties mid to high eighties no matter what you know cooler you use. Yeah, that's just that's, a, that's what we found. It's, it's the release of, the of Haswell parts yeah. really. It looks like yeah. a good foundation for if you're going to build one of those crazy rigs and you, you intend to do multiple GPU water blocks and everything else. You're going to need the higher capacity radiator. Right, because you're doing that, right? But you need all those other parts anyway. You know, exactly. you would, this, would this pump be big enough to do like a multi GPU plus a processor? What do you think, Maury? Yeah, yeah, you could easily you could easily run uh, a, a Crossfire setup, probably a chipset, and uh, your CPU block through here, and you wouldn't it wouldn't even blink. Hmm. I mean, it's yep. that that radiator is capable of dissipating cool. a yep. lot of heat, a lot of heat. Cool, cool. Thanks. So. Uh, check out that review at PCPer.com. Obviously, if you were in- more interested in that, I, th- I keep feeling like we need to get into doing some more water cooling stuff here, doing some more videos on teaching people that. Be basically I, reteaching I, me. I've because, never done it. Oh, uh, one, one other thing I wanted to mention time. too. I saw something in the chat. Sorry, I didn't. Sorry, to cut you off on that. I just wanted to mention this before we moved on. Um, all of the all of the ports on the um, on the blocks and the radiator and the reservoir are all G one quarter inch threaded. Okay. Um, so you can use. You don't have to use compression fittings. Come with it. You can use any G one quarter inch standard hmm. threaded barbs uh, fittings you want. Yeah, I mean, so you know, so so no worries there. I mean, that's that's pretty standard across these higher end kits. So, All right. Uh, in a totally different area of uh, PC building, we I did a little uh, video of a open air case from Puget Systems. Puget Systems is actually a system builder based up in the Northwest. Um, they build 
pretty high-end gaming machines. They build high-end workstations. Mm-hmm. I think one of the systems they sent us was like a super quiet gaming machine uh, that was pretty impressive. Uh, I got an email a couple of months ago saying, hey, we have this thing. Do you want to test it out and look at it? And basically, it is an... Oh, this is a really cool thick acrylic. It's an, Yeah, it's a laser-cut acrylic yeah. open-air case. And he said, essentially, they use this for their own testing internally mm-hmm. and they were having them made so why not make some more and see if they could sell them so yeah. what you're looking at is essentially an open air case uh that what that means is that your, your motherboard your graphics card everything is exposed it's fully exposed mm-hmm. uh and you don't have any you have some retention here actually it's one of the things i like about the design is you actually have uh i think it's seven or eight expansion slot seven brackets here so like you can actually screw those into something so they're actually stable in there yeah uh, but you can see like it's it's a clear acrylic um you put your power supply and your storage whether that be ssds or hard drives or optical drives in the bottom and then on top of that you have your motherboard video cards whatever it is and your that, that would not look out of place at QuakeCon. No, I think it would be pretty cool. And I think yeah. if you run LEDs on it correctly, because of the clear acrylic, if you could get the light to kind of run Yeah, you run it. you run the LEDs pointed at the acrylic, and it, and it would expand spreads out, out diffuse yeah. it. And I think it would look pretty cool. Yeah. One of the more interesting features I like about this particular open-air case, because we've used a lot of them here because we do a lot of testing, is this uh, space here for the 120-millimeter mount, mm-hmm. which is, as you can see in this screenshot, or uh, this picture, rather, is that we mounted a Corsair H80i to it right and you can actually mount a 240 millimeter if you want and it will like kind of extend up over the top of it yeah right but it'll um, still hold it but it'll still hold it it's it's yeah. fairly thick acrylic right so it's it's pretty strong um yeah here's actually here's actually a better picture of that uh the h80 yeah, I mean, it looks like install. it looks like it's quarter inch yeah or so yep. acrylic yep. yeah i also like uh let's see if i have a picture of it you can kind of see on the bottom shelf here there's like this foam it's not a sticky f- like the top of it is not sticky uh-huh. or velcro or anything like that but it it has it has a little bit of tackiness to it so like i felt totally comfortable setting the power supply on it setting the ssd on it and carrying it around the office not worrying about stuff slipping off it's like the back of a mouse pad uh yeah yeah, that's a pretty close yeah. estimate. It, it's, it's, it's like the back of a mouse bed. So um, I didn't have to like screw down any of the other stuff. It has places to screw them down if you want to. Um, it's kind of expensive. It's $170 or so. Yeah, but it's a lot of acrylic. That's pretty it much It is what a you're lot of acrylic. For. Yeah. Um, it seems fairly high quality. It does support, it's it's called the Puget Systems EATX V1 test bench. And the EATX indicates that it supports EATX motherboards, mm-hmm. which I would think a lot of uh, open air cases may not you, do. That's true, but at this point, you need to. Yeah. Right? I mean, a lot of motherboards, if they're not actually EATX spec, are bigger yeah. than ATX. And what I thought it was cool is like, if you don't have an EA, EATX board, do we have a shot of it straight down? You can kind of see right here, see where the power supply cables are coming in and the SATA cables coming in? Yep. If you have an EAT, EATX board, those would be covered up. Yep. But if you don't, you just have a nice, easy place to run uh, cables and, and do some basic cable management. And because of its size, like, I didn't have an issue holding all these extra power supply cables underneath. Like, they weren't dangling out and That's true. Uh, yeah. causing an issue. Now, Ryan, does it support XLATX, which is the wider as opposed to or longer cuts. instead of wider? Um, yeah. I'm I think gonna that's go with both. No. Well, I mean, it might if it hangs off the. I don't. Uh, but you see how there's this uh, arm here. See how oh. this comes down. I don't think it will support yeah. the XL stuff it because it only could. goes to seven expansion slots. Um, Maybe if you didn't put that piece on or something, then you I don't, don't have a very stable yeah. thing. So I, I'm going to go. With, yeah. Go ahead. I'm going to go with no. no. Um, 
and the other thing I liked about it, where was the, where was the picture of that? It's got rubber feet on it that work out well. It's fairly fairly easy to put together. It took me longer. If you watch the video, you can see some of the process. It's a lot of removing. It takes you longer that, that if you put paper. it together backwards. Yeah, if you if you flip one of the pieces of acrylic when you're not supposed to, and then you have to take it yeah. all apart, put it back together again, that's annoying. It's got a nice power button kind of embedded onto it, which doesn't seem like that big a deal, but it's just a nice. It is if your motherboard doesn't have one of those yeah. on board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's a nice device. It's expensive. I know uh, a lot of people are going to see 170 dollars and go, "I can buy a you buy a really nice case, ATX yeah. case for that." And that's you definitely true. can. Um, but what's that? X uh, no. HSPC, is that the name of that other company we, we found, Ken? Something like that. High-speed PC. Yeah, that's what it was. They make a bunch of test beds like that, and they range anywhere from like $75 to $220. So it's not totally out of range. Um, and like I They're, said, it's a low-volume thing for them. They're not trying to get rich off of this. They just thought if people want to use yeah. it, it's, it's definitely a nice-looking open test bed. There is another company that makes an open test bed that's acrylic similar to that uh, called Primachill. They're, uh, they're known for fittings, and uh, they do the hard acrylic, rigid acrylic tubing as well. Yep. Um, they have a similar test bench that's about 140 150 The color comes with all sorts of wacky options, but yeah. um, it's very similar to the Pugent. Yeah, so the pricing the pricing's not out of line. So. Why would you want an open-air case? I, I kind of put this in there. It's like uh, e- either you're a guy that you're doing like a lot of overclocking, maybe LN2 overclocking or mm-hmm. something extreme like that. So you need to have access to it. Yep. Or you swap out components all the time. Yep. Either you're just a frequent upgrader or you do a lot of testing like we do. And you do not have cats. Way to, way to get right to my punchline there. But that, Oh, but that was the punchline? Sorry, I didn't yeah, read that part. Sorry, man. Or if you just like to show off. Right, yeah. but to make sure everybody sees your components. A window on the side of a case can only show so much. That's true. If you have everything out there open like this, mm-hmm. uh, then you, everybody gets to see it. But yes, if you have uh, curious animals, yeah, they're cats that like to maybe stick their paws in fans. Yeah, I would or lick or lick motherboards or lick motherboards. Yeah, don't have. Yeah, see, that would be bad news. So if you have cats. Yeah. You know, dogs, you can keep things up on a high shelf or something. But uh, uh, I thought it was a pretty cool little uh, device. I'm using it now as our CPU test bed. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's... Makes swapping the CPUs easy. It does. Yeah. Especially with that water cooler kind of mm-hmm. mounted there. With the other systems, we always just had it kind of like hanging off over the side of the test beds. Yep. So. One of the storage test beds right now. Has and I don't the... have to use a motherboard box anymore. That's true. As well. Moving up. Yeah. Moving up. Uh, speaking of moving up, is it time to upgrade our... Uh, cloud de- our personal cloud devices so if you have not done it yet like in other words if you don't have one it might okay. it might be the time a personal cloud device being a device on your home network that is a backup device but also gives you access to files remotely yes so you could be away from home pull up an app on some mobile device that you have or just pull up uh, some kind of interface on your laptop and mm-hmm. be able to reach back to the device at your house. Okay. Without going through some kind of convoluted, you know, setting up port setting forwarding or setting up FTP or servers something like or, yeah. or something like that. If you don't want to have to it's deal with that, right? And realize not all devices can easily just FTP <laughs> in. Oh, yeah. Right? Like iOS devices, it's not a real, real easy thing to pull off, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so this way, there's just a set of apps from Western Digital in this case. Yeah. Uh, and they call this whole service, this whole thing is called MyCloud, right? So there's different devices that piggyback on this service. Now, there was an original MyCloud, which was just looked like a MyBook. Remember okay. those? Looks like a little 
bookcase, yep. bookshelf, uh, external hard drive deal. Yep. Um, but that only had one drive. Right. I remember when we talked about that, and I was kind of like, Yeah, I was like, even if I was. This is your backup device. Yeah. One drive is not optimal. I wouldn't want to have a share that was a single point failure. Right. Just with one drive, right? That's kind of, that's not a comfortable point for me to, yep. to use such a thing. And then they kind of went to the other extreme and they made a, uh, a um, my cloud uh, like an ex4 was four right? drives. which was four drives which was big overkill and then they stepped that down and it was still kind of an enterprise or small office kind of device and they made an ex2 which was two drive version which was nice yeah but they were kind of still missing that you know there's not really a consumer a pure so consumer this is. this is the my cloud mirror this is the my cloud mirror which okay. is basically a my cloud ex2 which we reviewed several months ago uh, without the enterprise-y kind of features. Okay. So there's no Active Directory support. There's no, like, iSCSI target really? support, stuff like that. There's no, like, the, all that kind of... What? Go ahead. Yeah. All, all that kind of, you know, small office, things that you would kind of really need to know your way around, like, administrative-level Windows kind of stuff to implement anyway. Yeah. Right? This kind of got rid of all of it, and they're just like, okay, so it's reduced feature set, but at the same time, it's like 20 or 30 bucks cheaper than the equivalent MyCloud EX2, right? Jeremy, so, do you, I mean, I heard you were inquisitive well, no, there. But, and I wanted to say, does that mean that it's cheaper? Because otherwise that okay. seems yeah. odd to it take is. out. It is. They knocked, but you make it cheaper? Okay, fine. Yeah, they knocked like 20 or 30 bucks off. Uh, yes, it's a reduced feature set. It looks like it's the same exact hardware, only in a white case. Okay. So it really does look like they're just, you know, they just reduced feature set and they give you a less, uh, fewer number of licenses to their... There's like this special software that they have that does like advanced backup across network and thing like that kind of features. Right. And for the EX2, they give you ten like a ten seat license mm-hmm. for it. Like ten computers can be running it and mm. stuff. Um, and then for this, they only give you three licenses. Okay. So it's more suited for your just you know a family your home. in a house. Right. You're not don't have an insane number of computers all using it. Does it come pre-installed with hard drives? Do you install your own hard drives? Okay, so. This even more so comes pre-installed with hard drives. The the EX2 had a, a, a no disk option. Okay. Right. Uh, this is all you get is uh, two gig. What is it? Two by two gig. Two by Terabytes. three gig. Or two by or yeah, two by wow. three terabyte and two by four. Yeah. Two, three, or four yeah. terabytes. So you times four, two. six, or eight. Yeah. Four, six, or eight total capacity, but you're but mirroring, you're mirroring it. it. So okay, right. So it's really yeah. gotcha. at the end of the day, if you're smart. And you're choosing the mirror option because yeah. you, can, you can do RAID zero if you want, if you want to do death with RAID. Yes, um, for our backup solution, we will do death with RAID because <laughs> that just makes sense. But uh, you're not but, living unless you're doing it. That's true. But uh, I've always been impressed with kind of like how they did their software. Their, their that's what I was going to ask. Like, is the setup easy? Like, it is, you hook it up to your network and plug it in, right? It's, and it's, you see it as a network share. That, right? th- that's actually the the most painless part of it is the. They're really good about. They just enumerate like Windows, Windows eight and above. It just sees it, right? So, like you know, it just shows up and you go in Windows Explorer and network, and it just shows up as a network device. Yep. And uh, you double click on it, and it opens a, a browser that goes to that IP address, hmm. which gives you the front end. Okay. Of the of the thing, right? So, is the so the the interface for it, like the setup configuration, is like a web interface. It's it's right? a web based configuration but you could conceivably go without ever without ever using, using any of that okay. yeah i mean it shows up as a share it already it comes pre-configured with just like a public share yep so you could just 
you know, mount that, map it as a drive letter, and just start using it right off the bat and not use, you know, if so you want to use... So you think the, the, op, the Windows-based setup is good? Like, you, you, you're impressed with the software and kind of how easy it is uh, there's additional, to operate there? there? There's software that you can install on Windows. My, my kind of point, though, is you don't have to. Okay. Right. Uh, there's a piece of software you can install if you're having trouble finding it on your network, and it'll automatically find it for you, and then automatically map the drives for you if you want. Okay. That sort of thing. There's other software they have. The um, the name escapes me right now, but there's software that you can install Windows-based software that will map the device as a share even when you're away from home. So oh. Okay. So when you're network connected, right? You can actually. It, it still looks shows like up. a local drive. It looks like it's a mapped like a mapped network drive, okay. right? Um, and also there's software, there's a MyCloud app for iOS and Android. How do you, right? I mean, are those good quality apps or are they kind of like They're very similar cheap? to the Dropbox app. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would put them on par. Like they, they can cache a certain number of gigabytes worth of data locally mm-hmm. on the device. So in case you are not on a network and you've opened up that PDF that you opened up yesterday, right. it'll still be in the cache, right? Dropbox does that too. Okay. Um, so it's you know I would say comparable feature set, except the difference is that you know you're not relying on some other company. This is your stuff, right? Like, so if you're if you're that kind of person that you don't want somebody else to have your files, right? Whatever those files might be, you want them to be at your house. The only yeah. thing that the MyCloud service is really doing is linking the devices together, right? It's saying, all right, how how do you get to this device that's on my home network? Well, the device logs into their service. And then your mobile device logs into their service, and it basically just kind of makes the connection for gotcha. you, right? Um, which takes the headache out of you know configuring all that stuff yourself, yeah. and figuring yeah. out how you're going to reach home when you're not at home, right? Uh, what's performance like? Uh, pretty good. Uh, writes were around seventy meg per second, and reads were over a hundred. Actually, closer to like one ten. If you uh, so that's getting up to the gigabit. It is gigabit. Yeah, one one ten is like gigabit saturated. Uh, networking. Yeah, there we go. Uh, we got we hit like 108 with um, jumbo frames enabled. So if you have a switch or a router that enables that can work with jumbo frames, then you'll see even higher throughputs. But we still saw over 100 even with the default mm. frame sizes. So even if you know you don't have brand new network gear or recent network gear, you're still going to see pretty good speeds. Okay. And what about where are they at on price? Like you can't buy it without drive. So we're looking at 350 for 4 terabytes, 450 for 6 terabytes, 530 for 8 terabytes. Yeah. And I mean considering you're getting total drive. You're, you're getting a gigabit ethernet capable network attached storage device. Yeah. In there with the cost of the so drive. So for 300 bucks you have 2 terabytes of mirrored backup. Yeah. You're you're buying 4 terabytes worth of storage. Right. You're buying two hard drives at 2 terabytes. Yep. Yeah. And the unit. I think that's probably the part that people that don't understand backup and raid and like yeah i bought two hard drives but and remember getting access to the capacity of one but remember remember even most importantly here yes this is two drives in one thing but it's a mirror in other words it's a real-time mirror so if you delete something yeah off of this right it's gone it's gone from both right right so you yes you had two copies but that only protects you from a drive failing it doesn't protect you from anything else basically right. like, like you deleting your stuff or 
I, I, yeah. I think Western Digital, Digital has done a good job kind of expanding the consumer line of products with this with this stuff. I remember when they first launched the MyCloud services, we had the issues with it being a single drive and the concerns about that. But the software, yep. I was impressed with the, the ease of use was, yeah, the, was always top-notch, right? And, the software has uh, always been pretty nice. And I think just today I saw an email that they released version 4.0 of their software, which is supposed to give kind of some more performance improvements and huh. things mm-hmm. like that. So we might run a couple more quick speed tests on the on the MyCloud and see if it made that big of an improvement. But really, there's not much more room to go on On, on gigabit, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so it might speed up the writes a little bit, maybe. But still, it's it's really good speed. If you're if you're the kind of person that most of your devices are wire, Wi-Fi connected at your house anyway, yeah, it's not gonna matter. you're not, like, this is going faster than, than what most people's Wi-Fi is going to do, even really good quality Wi-Fi. <laughs> so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, let's talk with Josh now because we have to. He wrote a story uh, up on the site, uh, fully enabling the A107850K while utilizing a standalone GPU, which is a complex title. We, we were trying to figure out today how would we title this story for it to make sense in a short sentence, and it was really hard yeah. hard to do, Josh. Explain what the, what the target of, the, of this quick story was. Josh, I, I think you're muted. You're muted. Now you're unmuted? No, you're muted. Yeah, I don't understand what that control panel means. Just whack it really hard. Okay, fine. Oh, there he is. There you go. The funny thing is, I had him muted as well. Oh. But I unmuted him, and then he still... And then he still was unmuted, yeah? Yeah. All right, anyway, explain what this story's goal was, target. Well, you know, I'd always been kind of curious about APUs. What would happen if you'd run it with, like... Another card, not in Crossfire, or an NVIDIA card, would you still have the ability to address the the GCN cores of that in something that you're, you know, you're, you're not just running the APU yourself? I mean, we've seen lots of benchmarks of, you know, just uh, not only 3D graphics, but how can do OpenCL-type programs? And I just thought, well... What would be the point of buying this processor, getting another video card, slapping that in, and if you don't have one of the R7250s or, or one of those that can actually crossfire with the APU, would you just be wasting that potential? And it seems that the answer is as long as you keep the drivers installed for the APU and you change the primary graphics when it boots up to the the PCI Express graphics slot right. that you've got your other card in, that primary graphics will become you know the, the primary 3D mover. Uh, you connect the monitors to it, but you still have access to the GCN cores, and uh, you can actually use them. So just in this very, very simple test, I took a look at Luxmark, and I was kind of curious what we'd see when we had the APU fully active, with the uh, AMD Catalyst drivers, and I've got an NVIDIA GTX 580 card with the latest NVIDIA drivers, and when you bring up Luxmark, you see that kind of setup. You have the APU, which is you know the CPU, and then you've got the Spectre, which is the graphics portion of the APU, and then you've got the GTX 580. And you can choose those two things to work together, and if you look at the benchmarks, we see a nice progression of performance when using kind of everything together. 
the uh, the worst jump in performance is when you use the Spectre GTX 580 and the CPU together. You get not a great jump, but if you use Spectre and the GTX 580 together, they do pretty well. And so this just kind of proves that you know while this is not an HSA enabled software product, it does allow us to take a look and see what kind of extra performance we can expect if we had an APU and a standalone graphics card and we're using that standalone graphics card for the majority of the games that we're playing and so it just kind of begs the question when will we see other applications whether it's you know 3D stuff uh, games, AI video rendering editing, whatever that will actually utilize that silicon because otherwise most people just buy a chip they run it as an APU for a while and they think, wow, you know, graphics performance is not as good on my, you know, 1080 screen as I'd like it to. I'm going to buy a R9 270 or right. an R9 something that's not terribly expensive. I'll put it in there and I'll disable my onboard graphics. What exactly am I missing? Well, looking at just this simple benchmark, you're missing, you know, quite a bit. And if we have software out there that is actually HSA enabled that will do things like, you know, pathing, AI, the stuff that can really utilize the, the, the highly parallel nature of the GCN architecture and offload that stuff from the regular graphics card. Overall, we'll have a more efficient system because more of the silicon is being used, not just the CPU, but, you know, the GPU portion of the APU and then the full 3D card. So I thought this was a nice little experiment. It's kind of interesting to see the drivers worked well together. The AMD and NVIDIA drivers seem to coexist pretty peacefully. Yeah, they do that Haven't pretty well. Haven't had any issues. Yeah. Did the, uh, did the sequence matter? Like, say you already had this configuration, but you just had the NVIDIA driver installed, right? Say you were just, you know, doing the NVIDIA graphics card full-time, mm-hmm. and now you want to start using the APU stuff? Like, what would you... What do you have to do? Do you have to like about driver installation? Yeah, could you just install the AMD I think, driver? I think you can just install it. Like, yeah, I think, yeah, you should be able to because what most people do is is they get a graphics card, they they put it in, they go into the BIOS, and they say, "Hey, I'm going to disable the integrated graphics, and I'm going to set the uh, PEG slot or whatever exists in the PEG slot as the primary graphics," and it boots back up. Yeah, and if you still have Catalyst driver installed, it'll say there's no device there. Uh, but yeah, if if you have everything installed and then you re-enable that IGP when Windows boots up, it'll ask for drivers. Oh, okay. Uh, and then you can go ahead and just install it. And because it's not Vista, which I think Vista did not allow, yeah, multiple had to drivers. Uh, Windows Seven changed that. You know, went back to kind of like the Windows XP thing, which allowed multiple driver sets for graphics. So yeah, it's 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 really easy to do. You may have a monitor that uh, will not like being changed over in the middle of things, and you have to actually restart your machine or you know shut it down totally, so everything can get recognized. But uh, other than a couple of little hiccups like that, it was it was really easy to implement. So it's like Lucid, but you don't need Lucid. Exactly, and you don't have to have. No, a but the, I mean, the issue cable. is the issue is. Is, the is software, Lucid still right? around? Yeah, right. Lucid still. They don't really do desktop GPU stuff. Actually, got an email from them yesterday, uh, but on the mobile space. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, well, they, well, they still package it with a lot of motherboards and stuff too. Do they? Especially yeah. the SLI and cross. Well, I, I, I don't mean I don't mean the full blown. I mean the Lucid, like where you could still use the Intel. Remember that? Yeah, thing? but they actually they never really made that a commercial thing. Oh. No, they showed it to us and then never released it, yeah. unfortunately, because that was kind of cool. There were a lot of complications with it. Oh. A ton of complications. <laughs> yeah. Because they were trying to do the software side, yeah, trying yeah, to make yeah. it usable, not just like this one application can do it because it's using OpenCL, which is oh. you know, very specifically agnostic to hardware as long as it follows these specific you know, OpenCL rules. So hmm. it's, a, it's a pretty cool thing, and it does, I think, shows what – if everybody worked together in this perfect little happy world, yeah, you can get uh, what you could do with more compute resources, mm-hmm. right? If everything worked together, but that's not that's not what everybody wants. Not what everybody wants. But it works. It does for the moment. Uh, let's move on to some news items. DDR3 was shown working at 2.31 gigahertz base frequency. Yeah, so wow. 4.6 gigahertz total. This uh, was a story written up by Scott on the website. DDR3. Meaning, yep. I. Is DDR3 uh, triple the? Yeah, that was a world record thing. I think it was a gigabyte competition, probably yeah. using oh, okay, LN2 okay. or something. Yep. So uh, apparently, a week ago, HWBot posted a video about breaking the record with a Z97X SOC LN2 motherboard, and they hit like 2.28 gigahertz. And now, uh, now the first place team, which managed at 2.31 gigahertz on the same motherboard, um, they were using oscilloscope. Apparently, recording it on video because they couldn't get a screenshot in time or something along that way. Um, uh, but wow, they're looking at it with a scope. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're not messing around. It's nuts. No. The rise and fall is visible. And I, I just like DDR three forty five sixty because that's easy to say. <laughs> if only they just released it as a spec. Finally, right? I mean, yeah. I think we'll. Uh, like we'll all be happy when the DDR4 memory comes around and we can kind of move on again. But uh, if you're if you're worried about you know your memory, so this is actually going faster. The base clock of this is faster than even than all of the like high speed memory that we have in house, right? Yep. At its actually double data rate, right? So what's the fastest memory we have here? Like twenty four hundred, probably. Do we have any like anything above that, Ken? Probably not. I don't know if we do, but uh, yeah, hundred percent overclock. That's that's nice. Yeah, yeah, not really feasible. Again, <laughs> useful but uh, interesting nonetheless. Uh, also interesting. I don't know if we talked about this last week. I think maybe it came. It happened right afterwards. Android announced or Google announced the Android extension pack, um, and I was confused about this as well. Kind of what they were actually extending at all. They didn't really dive much into it. Scott wrote a news story about this. Uh, the Android extension pack adds tessellation, geometry shaders. I assume they mean compute shaders rather than computer shaders, uh, as well as texture compression uh, to OpenGL ES 3.1. Um, and these are above and beyond, right? So as Scott posts here, uh, it's quite interesting as it adds functionality to the API without the developer needing to target a specific GPU vendor, Intel, NVIDIA, ATI, AMD, uh, waiting for approval from the architecture review board or using multi-vendor extensions. In other words, it sounds like developers can target Google's vendor without knowing the actual hardware. Hmm. So this is like, is this like Microsoft making DirectX and kind of? Yeah, in a way, because, I mean, Google is going out on their own. Yeah. This isn't just a new OpenGL spec. This is something they're doing from scratch. Right, but it's, it's – so now it's something that the, the SOC hardware vendors will have to support, right? Like they'll have to make sure that their hardware 
you'd be smart to stack works into these these confines. Yeah. Well, I mean, you'd, you'd be smart too because I mean they, they're showing off the Tegra K1, and that demo video uh, is oh, yeah. fairly impressive for a mobile device. Like, I'm sure a lot of it's pre-rendered, and there's got to be a lot of cheats going on. But at the same time, <sighs> tessellation it's on your phone—it's not cheats. Okay, it's optimization. Uh, this extension pack is set to launch with Android L, which is the upcoming release, uh, which apparently I need to put on my Nexus 5 because of all those battery life improvements they're talking about. So hopefully we'll see that soon. Uh, Panasonic working with ARM. No, I'm sorry, working with Intel to fabricate ARM processors, Jeremy. Was there any, what's interesting behind here? Well, I mean, it was not too long ago that we were all shocked when all of a sudden Intel said, you know what, Altera? We'll start fabbing your ARM stuff for you because we got fab sitting around. This brand new Fab 42 that we just set up, we're actually kind of mothballing because we just don't need to make that many processors right now. A mix of nothing new coming up from Intel because, well, they don't really need to, and a general decline in PC sales, which have been, you know, having a, a nasty effect on the market. So if you've got a fab sitting there at low capacity, why not use it? So in this case, Intel decided, hey, ARM, we, we can fab ARM, and Altera was their first uh, partner. There's a couple of other smaller ones that, uh, like they, they were actually FPGAs. Yeah. Well, yeah, a few programmable. So it wasn't, I mean, they may have had some ARM technology in there, but there was primarily. Some, but yeah, there was F- a lot of FPGA. Yeah. But now, all of a sudden, they've got Panasonic, and Panasonic is going to want a lot of processors because you're talking set-top boxes. Uh, I mean, a little bit of mobile devices, but mostly you're sort of talking all of the Internet of Things enabled thing stuff that they're going to be selling <laughs> over the upcoming years. All that other garbage. Yeah, yeah TVs I, and, and, and receivers and uh, DVD, Blu-ray players, Panasonic everything. Panasonic still make TVs? Panasonic, still, they're still one of the primary panel makers. They, they just yep. announced that they're not making plasmas anymore. Yeah, they're yeah. not making plasma. Oh, okay. They're making everything else. Man, they, they were the best. last people making plasma. Yeah, oh, yeah. and no, they're, they're going. Which I'm sure you're sad about because plasma's totally worked up there, don't they, Josh? You know, they actually made a specific type of plasma for high altitude that does not buzz. Yeah, well, they had to. They had to, otherwise it buzzed. No that was a problem. Oh, it it's, it's a, a thing. huge problem. Really? Huh. Yeah, up there with uh, inflated bags of potato chips and other interesting high altitude problems. Yeah, it's like when I fly and my yeah. water bottle compresses as I come down. Yes. Yeah, but no, one of the, the one of the friggin' neat things about this is is yeah. that one of the things that Intel is letting Panasonic play with is Trigate. Hmm. So there's actually going to be 14 nanometer Trigate uh, technology in some of these processors coming out. So ultra-low power, uh, fairly good performance, and Intel will be making money even faster because Gosh. Panasonic is just going to keep selling stuff. Do you, do you yes. think Intel is like making these agreements and saying, as long as you don't compete in the markets we're in right now? Pretty much, because Intel has probably never had a foothold in oh, Panasonic definitely. televisions or their receivers no. or their in deck in dash audio solutions there's probably Intel did have um, they had cornered the market on Toshiba HD DVD players with Pentium with their penny of four. Oh yeah, yeah that was that was well <laughs> worth their time oh, and so yeah. they, they figured not only can they they get their workers in the fabs working but they're addressing a market they never have 
before by proxy. I'm fine with that. I approve. So they're making, yeah, they're making money. I approve. Uh, next story, quantum dots on my screen. This is another thing that Jeremy posted here. Um, Almost sounds dirty. Quantum dots on my screen just plastered all over. It's gross. Saying. So it what's, what's going on here with quantum dots and LCD displays? Okay, well, quantum dots are like the next big thing in computing. Uh, this is what we're going to build qubits out of for the most part. But along the way, we discovered that they fluoresce. And they fluoresce brilliantly based on yeah, size. That's pretty sweet. Um, so what you're looking at up. is beyond uh, the current NTSC gamut. Not the 75% or so that you're used to seeing on your IPS now, but actually ab- over and above. And it's hmm. all based on the size. So the larger ones fluoresce red, the smaller ones down towards blue and violet, as you can see in that picture. And those are essentially just vials full of these dots. So what they're looking at doing and what uh, display search is predicting is that in the next couple of years you're going to start seeing these appearing in uh, mobile devices because they use ridiculously tiny amounts of energy and you can all of a sudden get rid of your backlight uh, so you're not just have a giant white backlight trying can- to uh, put through TN panel or an LCD panel you've got uh, a green nano dot what brought or showing with red and blue in front of it? Boom! You've got the entire uh, gamut. Can somebody explain to me what a quantum dot is? Is it a, what is it? Can I hold it? Is it a thing? It's these are really jars tiny. of them. It's it, a dot the size of the wavelength of the light. It's a dot the size, but like, yeah, it's tiny. I mean, it's it's probably it has more quantum electron in it, size. It's, a, it's a particle and a wave at the same time. Yeah, yeah, more or less. But no, how do really you have a jar it's, of it's, quantum dots? That's, what, that's why the size of them changes the color of the light. Okay, that part I get. Yeah. But yeah. what is it? Like, is it a thing it's that a you apply energy particle. to and it emits light? So inside these jars, they're applying energy to it? Is that why it is illuminating? Inside yes, the jars, a on those. I, I don't get it's, inside it's a the light. jars. The light applies the energy. I mean, with those kind of things, you probably just – you don't have to actively apply, um, you know, electricity. You apply light and the light is – Absorbed and makes energy. Yeah, unfortunately, it's the, the other way around for what they're doing here. If they're going to yeah, make those vials, unfortunately, it's it's water captured from Fukushima, and they pour <laughs> it. <into the> hey, <laughs> if, if you're going to get at least that out somewhere, why not get it from there? No. So essentially, what you're looking at is a nano crystal. It's a little tiny crystal that is a bit of a bitch to make, uh, and okay. one of the big problems that you're going to have with this is a lot of heavy metals are involved in it, like cadmium and that, and for the most part, you're not allowed to use heavy metals in things that uh, people hold up to their head. Lead-free. Yeah, uh, oh, it's lead-free, all right. So I would call them quantum. Help if, much. If, if I so were looking marketing. at a little tiny crystal, about 2 to 10 nanometer diameter max. Some of them are smaller. I would definitely uh, go with crystal rather than dot going forward. Because, because quantum dot sounds quantum so dots. much cooler than tiny crystal. Quantum crystal a, sounds okay. Quantum dot made me think of like something that's not real. Like, Where you secretly replaced Ryan's coffee. <laughs> Wait, wasn't qu- quantum crystal that shitty Indiana with, Jones movie or something like that? With quantum that crystal, crystal skull. skull. No, ah. yeah. Let's oh, see Ryan if he notices like the quantum difference. Quantum of crystal skull. <laughs> crystal dots. I was just like, or quantum dots. It's like, it's not a science. What? More it's, dots. It's a dot a is not a thing. thing. A dot Meaning. is a shape. It is a point. It is a mathematical amount. A dot. It is. Yes. <laughs> anyway, it is the Don't antithesis your screen, of a line. Ryan, or you'll die because of the heavy metals. I'm fine with that. Uh, that's it. That's all. That's all we got for this week. I guess. 
Uh, we're going to get into our hardware software picks of the week. Uh, let me quickly go here and see if anybody else actually put in their pick of the week. Oh, it looks like we do have them all here. Okay, hold on just a second. Hey, hey Jeremy. Pick the harmonica? Jeremy, you can't pick, you can't put in six links. I did not. I just wanted Ken to cue something up because... Ken doesn't do any of this. It's Ryan. Why? Ryan does it's it. It's been like three it years since we've done this. We just Ken, assume you don't do anything. Ken doesn't do any of the on-screen stuff. Like with the Anyway. Well, Ryan's got two laptops in front of him. Yeah, Ryan's yeah, double fist in the laptops, and one's bad. The battery's dying and stuff. Yeah. That's disgusting. Uh, so anyway, my pick of the week is a an odd-branded... Odd but a uh, useful item called the Loomsing I'm going to go with. This is a 10,000 milliamp hour harmonica style portable battery pack. That's actually very small for... So this is a 10,000... It's, it's thick. Yeah. yeah well, it's like a harmonica, is... but it's got USB ports on the side. So this is a 10,400 milliamp hour harmonica style battery pack, obviously... Because of Amazon and SEO, it lists every phone ever created that it supports. Yep. But it's simply um, – it has two USB outputs on the front. One is 1 amp. One is 2.1 amp. And uh, it's just got an interesting shape. And you've got your micro – What does it USB. charge at? What do you mean? How, oh, how, how quickly? How many amps does it charge at? Uh, input is 1.5 amps. That's reasonable. Yeah. So – <coughs> Most of these large batteries will take a long time to charge, and this yeah. is really I had like no a Mophie exception. juice pack once that had like you know it's got four LEDs here. To tell you how much capacity is left. The Mophie juice pack had like two or three you know amp hours, but it only charged at five hundred milliamps. Mm. So it took like yeah. overnight just to charge. Yeah. yeah. So it, we've looked at other ones that uh, like have smart ports on them where they'll adjust depending on how much the device is actually re- requesting. Yeah. And this will not do that. This is one amp and two point one amp, but it's cheap. It's twenty two bucks. Well, if you plug one amp on into the two point one amp, it's only going to draw one. Right. Amp. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. Uh, but if you have, you know, basically the two point one amp is for iPads. Yep. And the one amp is for your phones. And that's almost the battery capacity of a full iPad, I think. 10,400. I think it's pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's up there. That's like um, probably three or four iPhones. Easily. Yep. You can get it in like piano black, otherwise known as fingerprint black. Yes. Or uh, as, it looks like as they I also can have a white here. color and a, ooh, this for Ken's phone, you can get champagne gold. Yeah. Ooh. They're not tailoring to It'll iOS match. at all. Yeah. Ken's phone. Yep. 22 bucks a piece, 10,400 milliamps. 22 bucks? 22 bucks. Really? Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't have an Apple logo on it. Yeah, that's cheap at half the price. <laughs> I I really hope that the battery is of sufficient grade, considering it's storing ten. They're so cheap. I'll just buy one amp hours. Use the charge and throw it away. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I just hope that the battery doesn't pull a typical lithium catch on fire. I am. Yeah, because that's a lot of juice nah. to be catching on fire. Look how, look how fancy the box is. It's not well, yeah. Could possibly. <laughs> it's got a flat USB cable too. Did it come fully charged? Uh, I think so. It says it's fully charged. Yeah. So that's my pick. Um, there are a lot of battery battery packs out there, but uh, like this is just handy. Like I'll take this to QuickCon with us. Yeah. Carry around for when my phone inevitably dies. And remember, remember if you have one of these and you don't use it very often, store it. Discharged? Nope. Not all the way. Not all the way discharged. Your mm-hmm. best bet is like a quarter to a half charged because okay. it will deplete slowly on its own mm-hmm. right so if you don't want to if you get it all the way dead it might go into you're never going to charge this again mode 
Gotcha. It's a safety, right? Uh, and in your fridge. Well, probably not, but that's all right. No, in your fridge. I'm like, this is not the misnomer from like Duracell batteries in your fridge and stuff like that. No, no. I got you. I'm just not going to put a battery pack in my fridge. <laughs> I, I don't think my roommates would well, appreciate if you go, it. <laughs> if you go months without using it, yeah, it, you will basically kill the uh, kill completely kill off like the fact that they degrade over time if it's in your fridge. Hmm. I thought it would cold would do the opposite. Nope. the The warmer lithium based batteries are, the faster they degrade doesn't matter how many times you discharge or charge them just turn up the ac well yeah and uh and the higher or the the fuller the charge of them the faster they degrade okay so like the worst thing you could do like people that have a laptop always plugged in Mm -hmm. always with the battery at 100 Mm percent, and always crunching a bunch of numbers and playing games and really hot with the battery really hot those are the ones that like that's like people who plug their phone in to their car even just, when it's fully charged, and they just leave it. Shouldn't a device yeah. be smart enough to not charge when the batteries will shouldn't turn off? Yeah. The charging no, no, no. It'll, stay, it'll stay full though. But the point is that if it, the, the battery longer, itself, if the battery is full, it degrades faster. Mm. And if it's hot, the hotter it is, the and faster. That's why you've it always degrades. heard you should power cycle your laptops. I've heard fairly. I've heard literally every option with battery health. Yeah, so we I said tend- it on the show now, so it's science. Yeah. No, I mean there's actually articles that like scientific articles on this. Let's move on to Jeremy. What do you got here? Uh, potato salad, it looks like. Yeah, just just click on that. Cue this for a se- for oh, ten seconds. Dear. Wait, what? No, skip that. But the, the, this is what's funny is that we live at a time where somebody who wants to make potato salad can make forty three hundred bucks. I, I'm confused. It Wait, forty three thousand. I thought it was higher than that. I saw it at seventy thousand earlier today. Uh, yeah, because there were a bunch of uh, not necessarily legal donations. Like Using stolen credit crap. cards and stuff. I thought this was America. Oh, uh, really? You're not going to play the Ross sisters? Oh. This is in Columbus, Ohio, so it's only two hours from us. We could go to the you potato could. salad. We could oh, cover. I'm going. We could cover potato salad. I'm going. Yeah. It depends on what he makes. If it's mustard potato salad, like um, I don't even like potato salad. PS is I close enough to salad. PC <laughs> that we should cover it. Hey, His hey, name uh, is Zach Alan, Dean we've already Brown. covered Ken with potato salad. We don't need to do that again. We could do the PS Perspective oh, yeah. podcast just that day. P- just, just that think day. How much money we could have made? Yeah. <laughs> Doctor Evil Cat. Uh, no, I'm, I'm, Mr. Shroud. I expect <laughs> you to die. <laughs> All right, uh, Jeremy, what's your actual pick here? Uh, I'm still disappointed you wouldn't play the Ross Sisters because it's fun. Uh-huh. Uh, really? Uh, I'm that blown away by link. what people have been doing with the Pentium G3258. This reminds me of the old times with like the Celeron D where you could happily double the processor speed. And in this case, I mean, it's not quite double, but 4.7 gigahertz ain't too frick, or sorry, 4.8 on air cooling ain't too bad. And it's dirt cheap. It's 60 or 70 bucks, depending on yep. uh, the sale that's going on. Pair that with uh, a motherboard that uh, Herd OCP did a review on not too long ago, the Ace Rock Fatality uh, X79, which is about 120 And you've got the basis of a serious overclocking system if you're just doing pure gaming. Video editing and everything else, not so much. But if you're just looking for pure gaming, pure single-threaded performance, this thing is going to kick ass. I have one of these. We over, I've overclocked. haven't finished the write-up yet, and I got up to 4.6 without changing the voltage. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, tech Report screwed around with the voltage a little bit to get it up to 4.8. Couldn't get it stable at 4.9. And like I say, air cooling. 
Four points. Yeah. Four point six on. Let's deal it. Yeah. Factory voltage is awesome. Yeah. Uh, now, Four, Ace, the Asus motherboard bucks. is probably doing more voltage. It when you set oh, things you to it, you auto, oh, yeah. it will adjust voltages mm. as it thinks to, as opposed to manual and setting it at the base voltage. But um, oh come on, back in those days with that Celeron, you had to do the V droop mod. Yep, that's same true. damn thing had happened. Three point two to four point six is like a forty percent frequency boost. Yeah, yeah. just for for like I literally, I literally go into the BIOS and change one setting. Yep, on it. Uh, it it's pretty interesting. So we'll, we'll uh, have a little riot on amazing. that as well. But I, I'm torn because you've, Josh just totally ruined everything by pointing out that the AMD APUs for a general purpose machine hell of a lot better with Spectre and a discrete GPU. That's true. So now I'm torn. Yeah, but nothing uses OpenCL. True. Right, nothing like, uses HSA. Nothing uses HSA. <laughs> well, yeah. except like what Open Office. Like I said, nothing uses yeah. HSA. <laughs> uh, who's up next? Uh, who is this? Yeah, Josh. Me. What did I ask again? NZXT. Oh, anyway, uh, you know this looks like a neat case. It's the brand new one from NZXT. It's got like eighty percent more space and things for a mid tower case. It's. It's not terribly over-expensive. It's, it's got nice powder coating, it looks like. It's got fans. It's got lots of areas. And uh, it certainly looks interesting. Now, may not be for everyone. We have not yet tested this. But uh, from what I see, I kind of like it. It's, it's sharp-looking. It's it's minimalist, but at the same time, it's got like Ken would like to point out Tron things that what? we have reviewed this process. This, we have. This yeah, Lee reviewed it in February. Yeah, damn it, Lee. He's so far ahead of the curve. And, and I remember when we were talking about this on the podcast, the rest of you, besides Ryan and I, hated it because it doesn't have optical bays. Oh, oh. Yep, here's this review right here, February seventh. Lee, oh. Garbo. Damn it, Lee Garbo. Look at those cases. Look at those fans. I remember those fans. I remember that case. Look, yeah. Look, all you okay, gotta do is take, you take one of the fans out. You get Dremel. You get some acrylic. You can make your bay forty easy. Come on. I kind of so like the black. Least think about it. Yeah, that's, I, I think that's I would the like the black question. and red yeah, better too. I, I like the I like the black and red better. <laughs> it has a space odyssey monolithy kind of vibe to okay, it. Okay, with the white color. Depends if the white's going to fade or not. Yeah, if it yellows or something. Oh, that's right. This also had the white, the LED in the yeah. back for like your connection panels. Ah, uh, yes. You could see stuff. Huh? That's pretty nice. Yeah, that's that. pretty good. Yeah, for only what? What? Hundred fourteen bucks? Yeah, not good. too shabby. Yeah, I agree. Um, I you know since I've gotten away from you know playing DVDs and Blu-rays. It's not a bad. And you'll deal. never fit a laser disc in there. <laughs> no, I won't. <laughs> One a bet. All right, Alan, your pick is next. My pick is VNAND. And the stuff that VNAND is going to be coming in. Mainly because the latencies drop so much on writes. So in particular, yours is the Samsung 850 Pro. The first For the moment, it's the 850 it. Pro. Okay. Yes, that is the drive that has that. And uh, supposedly with a to come 850 Evo, okay, which they don't have on paper announced, but they sure we're talking about it. Like it's probably going to be a thing. Um, well, duh. Yeah, I mean, it's just uh, when you're able to make dies very small like that and pack a bunch of bits onto them and do it with more endurance and more speed and less power. Yeah, yeah. That's like it's like win win win. So. Yeah. And we just desperately want to see it in a package different than this, probably. Well, yeah, we want to see it like something that can go faster. We want to see it on faster. an NVMe SS- PCIe yeah. SSD. That's right? probably because this is the we, best we've example. We've pegged this interface. Yeah, that is the best example of pegging 
SATA six gigabit yeah. that we have in the office. Yeah. Like nothing well, goes. Followed, followed closely behind by that Corsair USB drive. What, what, you, oh, what you could yeah. do though with the with the uh, less chip dense or the chip density of those is you could um, put them. They could probably put it internally on two M.2 sticks and have it in that um, the 2.5 enclosure and run it on uh, SATA Express. Well, cheaply. It, they have, it's the Samsung. They have the capability of making any of these things. It's just mm. will they sell it? Like will they produce it and sell it? Yeah. I mean, that's that's the thing. Like we want them to come out with this in faster form factors because clearly i don't know if i'd equate vnan to landing on the moon like this web page and you know, yeah anyway, yeah they kind of i'm sure they're proud so i'll leave it at that they were definitely you should have seen the videos in plus look at that guy's tie. in all their glory hey hey you know what they did more with less than anybody else in the industry has done i mean think about it this is built on a 30 nanometer process yep. which is so old for nand it is not even funny it is. It's like what, almost ten years old, right? Sure. Something like that. Like twenty-five nanometer <laughs> was in like oh seven, ish. Look, if we're oh, going wait. back past twenty ten, I don't have any issues. Any, I don't. Oh wait, no. No, not, twenty-five nanometer was not, like two thousand eleven. That was eleven. Sorry. Yeah, but still, I mean, it's still seven or eight years old. Yeah. In terms of of thirty nanometer DRAM production. Yep. And NAND. So. Yeah, they uh, they reinvented the wheel. They made more with less, and it's kind of impressive because they also improved that whole write uh, amount that they can do. Like yes. the, what is that called? Write endurance. Uh, endurance. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the endurance, uh, and it, that's because there's more volume to store bits, right? That's the because of the shape of what used to be the channel. Now it's more like a cylinder right. looking thing. I mean, it's actually like a container now to store electrons in to store a charge right um it has a lot more volume right it has arguably similar kind of surface area for electrons to leak out right and it's different the way that they make the whole it's actually called charge trap flash it's not it it works differently Hmm. like it fundamentally works differently than regular 2d flash memory like your typical 2d flash memory like imft flash i'm excited these are actually are they actually they're on pre-sale but i don't think they're actually they're on pre-sale at 21st 21st okay. that come out. Um, coming up soon. Coming up soon. I, asked to, I asked them for some to give away at QuickCon, and they didn't. Yeah, and I mean, you're basically... So, they're starting... They're less than a buck a gig. Now, they're not like 50 cents a gig right out of the, right off the bat, but this is a Pro Drive, not an Evo, mm-hmm. right? We'll get there. And performance-wise, this is like one of the top performers yeah. we've ever tested on, on SATA. Uh, so... Yeah, it's, before, it's definitely up there. Before we move on to Maury's pick, I will point out that several people had tweeted at me over the last week that there was a special on a PNY Optima drive. I think we looked at on like Monday. We did. Where you were down to like 30.8 cents per gigabyte oh, yeah, after that was, a rebate and some kind cheap. of like um, purchase through this Google master pay thing and, and there's a like there's a bunch of controversy around that drive, which we don't there necessarily is. We don't need to get into. We don't have to get into it. Just realize that it most likely will have a Sandforce controller in it. Yeah, which might not be the controller that was in the drive when people reviewed, reviewed it, it initially, but if you're okay with point eight cents a gig, you were yeah. you were getting a two hundred forty gig drive for like seventy four dollars. Yeah. See, now I made the I made the request for thirty, and we were almost there. And now I last week I think I made the request for twenty, <laughs> twenty cents a gigabyte. <laughs> Somebody make it happen. We will retweet your deal. They need to stick twenty to th- cents. A gigabyte. Let's get more people to 30 first. No, How about that? No, Instead of no, just. Like, no, it'll all happen. Uh, okay. Anyway, 
And last one, Maury, what do you got for us? All right. Well, I'm uh, I've been working on my QuakeCon build, and you so know, I've been having problems with my hardline acrylic stuff. Some of the fittings don't fit the tubing I have because I'm doing some custom stuff. Um, so I was going to scrap the whole idea. But I on one of the tech blogs, they um, talked about this stuff called Sugru, which is basically this. It's like the silly putty consistency stuff that in a 24-hour period hardens and will bond to anything, is waterproof, is not electric, electrically conductive. Um, it's, uh, it, it's formable into any kind of shape. It can do, I mean, they've done amazing things. It, it's very strong. It holds stuff is, up. Is that a balloon the, knot? Huh? What's Never the one? mind. Um, <laughs> one, one of the things on the, um, on the tech blog I saw it on, one of the things that they were promoting was they actually made a water gun using this stuff. They took all the fittings and used Sugru to bond all the stuff together in this in his water gun. It had motors and everything in it. It was like a machine gun water gun and and you know worked well. I mean it's it's just some really cool stuff. It's it's expensive. Um, you know, I mean I bought some at Micro Center tonight, uh for five packets of five grams each. It was about eighteen bucks, but for what it can do, if it actually works as advertised, it's some really cool stuff. So does it turn into rubber or hard plastic? It, it, it turns into uh, some kind of hardened rubber, actually. Okay. I think um, like epoxy. But yeah, you can see in this a picture bit here, bendier. they're like showing it being like making the Lego bendy. Huh. If yep. Bondo but was actually, as cool as it, Bondo thinks it is, this is what it would be. Is but it, yeah, it, is it actually, really that it, strong? It's only you bendy can, yeah. when you're uh, what before it cures. Once it cures, it's uh, it becomes hard. I mean, it actually becomes hard like plastic. I mean, what they what they call it on the thing is called self-setting rubber. Is what they call it. So I mean, the, the the surface of it still is soft. I mean, it's it's soft to the touch, but it's actually hard. Um, and uh, it just it's it, if if it, again if it works as advertised, some really cool stuff. Uh, it's, and it's out of England. I think it's from a chemical company in England. Um, you know, it, it comes in these little tiny packets because once you open a packet and it's, and, it's, uh, and, and then, then packet is exposed to air, you're, you know, that packet is done. You can't, right. can't basically put it in a Ziploc and, and reuse it. Um, but so they ship it in Holy little packets because crap, of Look that. at the size of the gun that guy made. Yeah, I mean, that, and that's all <laughs> held together with Sugru. It's, it's amazing. It's, yeah, it's that's really just cool. Sugru. No, well, it's and got some metal. metal parts, but I mean, all, all, the, all the parts are There's no together. screws, there's no glue, it's just yeah. gooey, gooey fun in his yeah. face. But, and, and the cool hilarious. thing is it comes in, it comes in like 10 different colors, like the primary colors, and you can mix it together to get any custom color you want out of it, too. <laughs> this guy's now, the liquid going right for headshots. Just color, that's just watercolor liquid, that's all. But, that's pretty good. These poor, poor people. That's but, pretty cool. Yeah. It sounds like it's so it's expensive, but like I could think of many things of my wife. Like, hey, look, look, you can make bumpers for your iPhone five out she, of it. She needs that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they show it is uh, you know you can use it for fridge repair for cracks. Um, I mean, I've seen it used for pipe repair. Uh, people use it for custom moldings on skis and hammers. You know, so I mean, they use it instead of Bondo on cars. So, like, how yeah, many exactly, hours? Yeah. How many hours does people, it actually take? Like, they say overnight, but like, what it's is it? Twenty-four hours is what they said, f- fully curing. Oh, okay. So, I mean, it's basically it is it is an epoxy-like substance. Check out this um, sweet like hub they made. Yeah, you can make a hub. Yeah, like, people have done. Uh, people have put it on their shoe soles to repair their shoes, and it holds up. It's hmm. it's crazy. So that way, you just have one thing to plug into the side of your. 
MacBook right there. At a time, if anything, yeah, we'll even actually awesome. plug in there. Hmm. Oh, Sugru is amazing. Make your own dock. And it's not new. It's been around for a while. Huh. Oh, it's not new? Oh, no, this is not new. Oh, I didn't know oh, that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I was amazed that you didn't actually know now about they're marketing because you're such oh. a modder. Yeah, no, I've never heard of this stuff before. Oh, it's uh, but no, I, as I, I saw it on Tech Blog. It was on, um, God, what is that, uh, Tomorrow Daily with Ashley Escada. I think her name is. Yeah. And the only thing even close to this is uh, JB Weld. Mm. Improve yeah. your Which, GoPro lens. Improve a GoPro lens yeah. sunhood. They just <laughs> molded it out. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's pretty awesome. Oh, man. Hey, why not? Weird. All right, that's pretty cool stuff. Uh, that is going to be the show for us for this week. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Again, pcper.com slash live is where we record the show. You can see the schedule on any page at pcper.com. And pcper.com slash podcast is where you can go find the RSS feeds to subscribe to, any of the back episodes, uh, and you'll see the YouTube embeds of previous week's videos as well. If you're going to be at QuakeCon, please come join us Wednesday at uh, 9 p.m. local time, 9 p.m. Texas time. Um, at the Emerald Room. I'll have a post about it. We'll add that information to the workshop page, uh, and I'll tweet about it for sure when we uh, are there and get everything set up. Uh, and we'll, we'll do a podcast. We'll do some questions. We'll interact. We'll hang out for a little bit. And uh, I think that should be a lot of fun. And, of course, the workshop on Saturday, we're going to have tons of prizes to give away. Uh, you want to make sure you line up early for that to get the good front row seats because Josh's arm's really weak, and he can't really throw things far not far at arm. To the back. To the back, really. So, uh, But we'll, we'll, uh, we'll be there. It'll be fun. Looking forward to it. We'll see you guys next week. I'm Ryan Schrout. I'm Jeremy Hellstrom. I'm Josh Walrath. I'm Alan Malventano. And I'm Mari Tattleman. Hey! Hey! Bye, everybody. Bye!